With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. Welcome to another edition of the Conference USA Underdog Podcast on UnderdogDynasty.com. SB Nation's home for G5 football, but I'm assuming you already knew that. If you're still with us at this point in the season, it being week 12 going on week 13. Joe Lonergan and Eric Henry back with you once again to talk about a, a weird week in CUSA as the uh, balance of power might be shifting a little bit. Uh, especially given what happened in Friday night's game, but we'll get to that in a second. Eric, how are you doing this week, my man? I'm doing all right, man. Cannot complain. The weather has finally turned here. We've had a couple attempts in the 50s, and, you know, it's kind of like as the world turns here with uh, Conference USA, you know, right when you think you have things figured out, throw another curveball at you, and we'll see what we got, so. So it's you know what you hit the nail on the head. Conference USA <laughs> football is a metaphor for life. Right when you think you have it figured out, it throws a curveball at you, and you got to just start from the ground up once again. <laughs> so, exactly. that's, uh, yeah, so that's kind of where we're at right now. And I guess without further ado, let's let's jump into some uh, some Week Twelve results. And of course, on Friday night, we had Marshall taking down Louisiana Tech thirty-one to ten. Uh, big part of this result: no Jamar Smith and no Adrian Hardy for Louisiana Tech. Uh, those two guys get suspended for uh, a couple of games for a violation of team rules. Exact violation was undisclosed. Uh, have to assume it's uh, somewhat serious, though, if they're going to self-impose the suspension of two of their best players, uh, especially with the uh, conference title race coming down to the last couple of weeks here. Uh, but. Arguably Tech's most disappointing performance of the season with just 261 yards on offense, regardless of who's under center. Uh, On the Marshall side, though, Isaiah Green and Brendan Knox get two touchdowns apiece. Uh, Their development continues to be uh, a thing of beauty if you're a Marshall fan. And just like that, the Herd are tied with FAU for the lead in the East. So a pretty significant result on on that side of things. Yeah, you want to talk about a game that really – plays a huge factor in not just the East, but the West as well. Let's start with Marshall. They get the victory, and you touched on Isaiah Green and Brendan Knox. I will touch on the return of one Obi Obialo, you know, one of the better names in all of college football. He played his first game of the year. It was thought that he was going to miss the entire season. Uh, he actually posted that on Twitter, that he was expected to miss the entire season in the red shirt, but with the new four-game red shirt rule, that is not in jeopardy, and he can come back and help us team down the stretch. Eight grabs for a buck 46. No, no touchdowns, but was by far the game's leading receiver. And we've talked about it all year in terms of Isaiah Green and his consistency. Getting that number one target back will help tremendously. So that's huge for them. You know, and then <clears throat> from the tech side, excuse me, we talk about the suspensions. Aaron Allen goes ahead and gets the start. 19-32, and buck 59, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Can't expect too much out of a freshman quarterback who, you know, 
into midweek, because we found out about the suspension on Thursday. So until midweek, who knows, you know, how many reps he may or may not have gotten. And it does seem to be something that came out of the blue. So I'm not sure how many reps he may have taken with the first team. So you lose arguably one of the top quarterback receiver tandems in Conference USA. Not enough there that, you know, Tech's offense can rely on Justin Henderson alone because his success this year was really predicated on that tandem of, of Jamar Smith, Adrian Hardy, Smoke Harris, guys like that to open up things for the run game. So, you know, all in all, it's a huge result because now Tech is 8-2. and two. That opens up things for Southern Miss and even a UAB because Tech suffers their first conference loss. And then in the East, FAU fans on social media were not, uh, you know, they were not pleased with the fact that Louisiana Tech went ahead and made those suspensions. They made their feelings pretty clear. Even Lane Kiffin, you know, tongue-in-cheek, he wasn't serious about Skip Holtz choosing to suspend his players, but even he said, you know, hey, I wasn't thrilled with it either because we need Marshall to lose. But, yeah, now it throws a huge monkey wrench into who you might see in the conference title game in a couple of weeks. <laughs> you got to imagine that would be pretty funny, though, if the uh, hate for FAU ran so deep amongst Louisiana Tech that they would sabotage themselves in such a way that they would jeopardize their own title chances just to put FAU's chances at risk. It would be a hell of a conspiracy theory. One that I'm sure some people, you know, my neighbors about an hour north in Boca would subscribe to. But uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not quite going there just yet. Break out the cork board and the red I, yarn. I'm buying into it. Okay. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I, I think, uh, I think Coach Kiffin has got himself into a, enough hot water this year in terms of uh, his conspiracy theory. So I, uh, I, I or a, a conspiracy theory, I shouldn't say his. So I don't think he's going to be following that one. <laughs> if he listens to this, which he obviously will, I bet he said challenge accepted. So uh, something to pay attention to in all seriousness. As the title races get uh, get even tighter, we got FAU and Marshall neck and neck in the East. And uh, Louisiana Tech uh, still have a narrow, narrow lead in the West, but Southern Miss making a big run at it. And, of course, you've got uh, UAB sort of in the conversation as well. They beat UTEP 37-10 to over the weekend. 353 rushing yards for the Blazers offense led by quarterback Dylan Hopkins with 163. Uh, so that offense continuing to get it done uh, defensively, still playing pretty uh, pretty solidly as well. Um, kind of a step backwards for UTEP in this one with um, uh, some speed bumps, so to speak, against uh, the best defense in the league still. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll start with UTEP. You know, Kyle Oxley had really put together a string of solid games. I don't want to say great, but it put together a string of solid games passing. Uh, it looks like, you know, he may have gotten injured. I didn't catch whether uh, what the reason for his departure was. But Gavin Hardison came in, and, and it's, I think it's interesting, Joe, that they did go with Gavin Hardison. Clearly, Dana Dimmel is sticking to the, you know, patience is key kind of theory there because they do have, you know, Deion Hankins. They do have Mr. Uh, T.J. Godwin. But they're the uh, highly rated recruit at quarterback. But Gavin Hardison comes in 16 to 37 for 222, one touchdown. But obviously, that's not going to get the job done, especially when the rushing game 29 carries for 90 yards. I mean, if you take away one long run of 26 yards, uh, you're looking at, you know, quick math here 28 carries for 60, 64 yards, 66 yards. So obviously, that's not going to get the job done. On the UAB side, you know, good job to see them bounce back. Dylan Hopkins, what he does add uh, is the rushing dynamic. You know, he's definitely a, a true dual threat. And even Bill Clark said heading into next week's matchup against Southern Miss, yes, Tyler Johnson III should be back, but don't rule out that you will see some Dylan Hopkins because of the fact that he can run the football. And you're talking about a guy who had 163 yards on the ground 
and and that's just you know to get that rushing game back for UAB is huge because I talked about last week. You know, Spencer Brown isn't having the best year. He's been banged up. He did have eight carries for 66 yards, but his year as a whole is way below the standard that he set for himself in his freshman and sophomore year. But all things considered, great win for UAB. You know, defensively they show up. You know, led by guys like Garrett Moreno and 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 uh, Christopher Mole. So good to see that UAB defense get back into uh, get back into shape, and we'll see what happens next week because. If they do, you know, beat um, Louisiana Tech, excuse me, I think I said Southern Miss. If they beat Louisiana Tech next week, you know, Tech's going to have two conference losses, and, that'll be, and, and UAB currently has two conference losses now. So they'll actually have a chance up into second place, depending on the result of the Southern Miss game. So it's a huge game next week, but, you know, one step at a time, good win for UAB. 100%. And it's funny, going into last weekend, I just found myself – uh, you know, saying internally, I wish there were more hours in the day. I wish I had more time to, you know, just to kind of embrace my hobbies or have hobbies even. And I was like, just, man, I wish I had more time to do that kind of stuff. But then also I found myself meticulously watching hours of UTEP football every weekend. So that's kind of on me at this point. <laughs> I would say as much, you know, uh, I, 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 I can't even throw a jab at you and be like, you know, hey, it's not like you're at the, uh, the, the stadium like me, so I don't necessarily get a chance to watch the hours of UTEP football. But, uh, yeah, man, I mean, it just happens. Hey, you, you're committed to the brand, the CUSA way. <laughs> That's exactly. It's commitment to the brand and the lifestyle. No one question it. Um, we'll stay in Texas then and talk about uh, Rice who beat uh, MTSU for their first win of the season over the weekend 31 to 28 uh like i mentioned first win for the Owls this year they survive Ashro Harris comeback attempt and uh it's a little bit of a return to the spotlight for Rice quarterback Tom Stewart with three touchdowns after uh not seeing significant minutes since uh since the beginning of the season um and with this loss MTSU unfortunately for them uh officially eliminated from contention for a bowl game as we talked about it is the asher o'hara show when you talk about middle tennessee state's offense you know offensive coordinator tony franklin he's not shy about it everything runs through o'hara 338 i want to say that's a career high passing for him in addition to the 19 carries for 65 yards it's he's just inching closer to a thousand yards rushing on the year and uh pro football focus actually has asher ranked as their 35th top quarterback in america so, you know, if my memory serves me correct, I want to say he's first or second right there at Mason Fine among CUSA quarterbacks. So Asher's having a great year. You know, guys like Ty Lee and Jalen Marshall both go over 100 yards, but they got up to a slow start. You know, if my memory serves me correct, Rice went up 17-0 to start this game, and then it became mode where it's like, hey, you know, we got to catch up. We're at home. Maybe you're sleepwalking against the 0-9 Rice team. And that just goes to show you, you know, there is a level of parity in this conference where, you know, you and I have talked about it off air and we talked about it on the air you have your top three or four teams, right? And you kind of know they're in that cluster right there, and you can kind of flip-flop any of those guys. What this league doesn't necessarily have is a middle. Uh, I would think even the six and th- or the five and five teams or the six and four teams, you know, if you don't show up on your best day, you can be beat by an MTSU or even a Rice, you know? It looks like there's only really one or two teams in conference, maybe like a UTEP, uh, things of that nature who you can kind of write off and say, hey, it's a true rebuild. But give credit to Mike Bloomgren and Rice's team, Tom Stewart, three touchdowns. Aston Walters, they get the running game going as well. Uh, Brett Rosner, three touchdown catches. So uh, just a, a great performance overall. Uh, excuse me, Brad Rosner. I think I said Brett Rosner. But a great performance overall for Rice. And uh, they get the first one of the year. So we talked about, you know, the need for them to get one in the win column. No more moral victories, and they managed to do that. 
Ironic that CUSA is a league with no middle, even though there is a team with middle literally in their name. That is blow your mind. <laughs> I don't think that, it, probably didn't, it, 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 it probably didn't didn't come through over the recording. I said, "Papa, give me the rim shot." You know, that's the. Uh, oh. <laughs> it didn't come through, Joe. But you know what? I, I was there with you, man. I, I was I was there with you. If, if, in any way that you can make us look older than our actual age, just go right ahead. <laughs> I, uh, if there's one thing that uh, I have another degree in, it's uh, dad jokes. So, you know what? <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say, you get the nail on the head right there. I regret nothing. <laughs> uh, we'll stay talking about uh, CUSA West, though. Uh, we, we mentioned Southern Miss having a real legitimate shot at taking that side of the conference now and uh, getting even closer with a win over UTSA this weekend, 36-17, to 17, the final score there. Uh, that offense just on full display once again with 493 yards total. Four different players got into the end zone for the, uh, for the Golden Eagles. On the UTSA side, though, better day for Lowell Narcisse, who gets 325 yards through the air on the day. Um, so, you know, you, with your UTSA, you take the improvements that you can get. Um, obviously, they knew they were coming into a tough game against Southern Miss. And um, back on uh, the Jay Hobson side, Jack Abraham, Kez Watkins continue to be damn near unstoppable at this point. Yeah, you know, I'll start with UTSA. All right, you're four and six. You got two left, right? So it, it seems like, and I, I'm sure you'll agree with this, show, that UTSA under Frank Wilson, it's kind of been this way every year, right? Where, you know, they start off slow and you're wondering, okay, what's going on? And then they hit the middle of the season where they kind of get a few victories and they, they give you just enough hope to think that they might, you know, be able to kind of sneak in there, get a sixth win and get a bowl game. But then you look at the rest of their schedule, they have FAU and Louisiana Tech. And, I, and Louisiana Tech will have both Jamar Smith and Adrian Hardy back for that contest. So I don't think anyone's thinking that Frank Wilson's going to, you know, get to that sixth win and get to a bowl game or at least get to bowl eligibility. Now, on the Southern Miss side, like you said, damn near unstoppable. In my opinion, it's the best wide receiver and, and quarterback duo in Conference USA, Jack Abraham and Quez Watkins. And, let's, you know, we haven't talked about this name a lot on the podcast. Give credit to Buster Faulkner because I wrote about this in my three things we learned about in Conference USA article. He wasn't the first choice for a Southern Miss offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, if you paid attention earlier in the year, or I guess in the offseason, you know that there was uh, essentially an interview and, and a lot of talk about former Baylor coach Art Bryles coming in there to be the offensive coordinator. Uh, social media, you know, was set ablaze with that, and that essentially was shut down by the interim athletic director and school president, right? But then, you know, two weeks later, they hired Buster Faulkner from Arkansas State. And the major difference that he's, he's made in Jack Abraham's play is Jack Abraham's always been accurate. Last year, he led FBS football, completing over 73% of his passes. This year, he's at 67%. But you look at the yards per attempt. This year, he's pushing the ball downfield. I believe it's 9.7 yards attempt as opposed to 7.5 last year. So clearly, he's able to maintain a certain level of accuracy while still pushing the ball downfield. And I think that's made a huge difference for this offense because you're allowing the playmakers like Quez Watkins, you know, Jones, uh, Jalen Adams to make plays downfield. And it just, you know, really opened things up. So great job by Southern Miss overall. Uh, you know, they moved to 7-3. and three, And with the Tech loss, they're right there to potentially – uh, you know, represent the West in the conference USA title game. 
It's certainly looking more and more likely. Um, and like you mentioned, that game against Louisiana Tech looming very big on the schedule. Very excited for that, uh, just as a casual observer even. Um, with that, let's let's talk about uh, Middle Tennessee State a little more for this uh, this new middle section of the show that we've been trying to do more often. Uh, Rick Stockstill, his team, as we said, eliminated from a bowl game this year. Um, if you are the Blue Raider head coach, you're 61 years old. You know you got a, a pretty significant rebuild. Um, you know, I will say partially underway. Asher O'Hara, definitely a, a good thing to build around if you're that program. Uh, but, you know, at this point, A, if you're MTSU, do you have enough faith in him that he can continue to take the program in the right direction? Or if you're the coach, are are you ready to kind of take a step back and, and do something else? Um, I don't know. I feel like with everything that he's accomplished, I feel like I would be, I would be pretty content, but at the same time, like I, you know, head coaches are a whole different breed. So I have a hard time believing that he's ready to take a step down as long as he's still physically able to do the job. Um, but, you know, if you're MTSU, I feel like they have to at least be quietly having that conversation behind closed doors and wondering if, you know, he, he's still the guy they want um, leading the rebuild of this program, especially considering you have guys like Will Healy and Tyson Helton younger faces uh and you know i guess you can put mike bloomgren in that category too these younger faces uh really leading these rebuilds of programs all throughout the league uh so what do you think eric yeah so for those of you guys listening you know let's put this out there first this isn't just a topic that you know kind of came out of thin air because there was a lot of talk last year that uh it might be rick stockstill's last year that he could ride out in the sunset with his son you know brent stockstill now obviously that wasn't the case they had a great year and he's back this year now i'm going to take in a different direction because there's two ways of looking at it yes there's the aspect of youth right you know youth and energy and what that can do for a program but i was really struck by what butch davis told me and for those of you listening you know that i, I cover fiu so i spent a lot of time around butch and he's really changed my perception of age Butch just had his 68th birthday two days ago. And, you know, you're around the guy, and you wouldn't think he's a day over 35. You know, Butch Davis, when you see him out there in, in the scorching South Florida heat, he comes off the field, you know, drenched in sweat, and he's still fired up, ready to go. You know, um, I just think that what Butch said to me personally at CSA Media Days was that there's necessarily this rush to kind of – usher out or to usher in younger coaches and to push out older ones based on this idea that maybe they cannot relate to younger players. And Butch said that, Hey, people forget that I've been doing this. I've been relating to 18, 19 year old kids for 35, 40 years. Like I, I, I kind of know what I'm doing here as opposed to someone who might not be used to it. You know, the, the, it's not always a benefit to have someone uh, who's younger. Now in terms of coach Stockstill and what he's done at middle Tennessee state, you look at the record 90 and 85, eight bowl games, you know, two and six, but eight bowl games, uh, two-time coach of the year, actually two-time Sunbelt coach of the year and one-time CUSA coach of the year, which was last year. I just think that, in my opinion, first off, if there's going to be a change, it's going to happen on his own terms. I, I don't think, you know, Middle Tennessee State is going to usher him out by stretch of imagination. But I, I think at 61 and having the key being a, a piece like Asher O'Hara, who clearly is a talented quarterback, and we talk about it on damn near every podcast, Joe, that this league, you know, you can't call it from year to year. You know, one year it's, you know, you think it's going to be Marshall. You think it's going to be Louisiana Tech. And the next year it could be, you know, 
FIU and it could be a UTEP. So this league, I think it just, it turns so much. And clearly he hasn't had an issue getting talented players come to Middle Tennessee State. I think that while maybe there's a possibility he might want to walk away on his own and do other things, I just think that there's enough juice left in his tank. You know, I actually had a chance to talk to Coach Stockdale as well, and he's another one of those guys who just, you know, don't let the number on his birth certificate define who he is uh, in terms of youth and energy. And uh, I, I think he'll be back for next year and, and, you know, maybe a few years after that. You know, I, I'm not sure what his contract status is. I don't have it in front of me. But if let's pretend Coach Stockdale has three or four years left on his deal, I can easily see them writing that out and then, you know, riding into the sunset. I, I definitely think as long as it's up to him, I think he's going to continue to do this job. I think it's just a matter of what the school decides to do. And obviously, neither of us are part of those conversations. But as you mentioned, with three years left on the contract, I have to think they're they're going to let the they're going to let the guy right off, especially with you know the success that he's he's brought to the program over the last uh, few years. He's got a. Uh, He's got a coach of the year honor in there, of course, uh, or at least one in CUSA. I believe he had a couple uh, in the Sun Belt as well in the early 2000s. But um, yeah, I think uh, as long as again he's physically able, I think we're going to see Rick Stock still in the uh, in the coach's chair for the time being. Uh, switching gears to something non uh, non football related, but definitely uh, humorous nonetheless. Staying on the uh, on the other side of the hundred miles of hate, Western Kentucky, oh, they're honor students. Um, so this, this popped up on Instagram. And to be honest, um, we don't have a hundred percent confirmation on this, but definitely worth talking about because it's so ridiculous. Um, originally posted by Barstool Western on their Instagram, uh, still up as of this recording, I guess there's a notice going around getting posted on kids dorms in Minton hall. This is a PG show. So how do I put this? Uh, yeah, you, you, you jumped down that hole, Joe. So I'm going to let you uh, find a way to define it. You said this was going to be the middle segment. So, um, <laughs> these, these kids enjoy some alone time in the shower and the end product has done seven thousand plus dollars of damage to the plumbing. Um, if you don't know what we mean by that at this point, then uh, ask your health teacher. But um, <laughs> I, I just thought that was ridiculous. And given this, this residence hall, Mitten Hall, just a few years ago was an all-female dorm. So I think that's it's funny how how quickly <laughs> you know this this happens. So I, I thought that was pretty ridiculous. And uh, I don't know. I guess kids, either that or people are just really happy with the progress Titans Hel- Tyson Helton's made with the football program. <laughs> I'll say this, two things. One, uh, that was a bit of sarcasm in the, uh, in the old Underdog Dynasty Slack chat when I said we found our middle section. But we're here and now, right? So can't take it back. Um, I'll, I'll say this, and I'm curious your thoughts, Joe. Uh, I, I'm, <laughs> I'll say this. What's the most ridiculous thing that you look back at your college years and you just, it's mind boggling, you know, something that actually happened. 
Uh, for me at UCF, um, and this is, oh, God, I should have prefaced this. This is in no way, you know, in, uh, representative of the university or whatever liability I may or may not have by saying this. This is just a student <laughs> thing. <laughs> but um, yeah. there would be times when you could go to, um, and actually, it actually, it's it's an off-campus apartment, so I think I'm safe in saying this, that we lived in. And it was an off-campus apartment, one of the earliest ones that had been built in the early 90s. And it was known for having a section of the apartment building that if you knocked into the walls, you would routinely find plastic bags filled with goodies. I, I think that's the safest way I'll say it. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so I think that was like the most ridiculous thing, just um, piggyback into this story, which is like college. Yeah, man. It, you know, it, it's, it's, it, once you do that and, and, uh, as an adult in real life, it's just so ridiculous, but I guess in college, you just, you know, shake your head and say, yeah, it's college, whatever. <laughs> I, uh, I have a far, I have a far more, uh, innocent story <laughs> from, uh, from that, from that period of my life. Uh, so we were on like a, like a sports trip. Uh, this might've been senior year of high school actually, but, uh, we were on like a sports trip at, uh, like a cabin type facility. and. There were vents that, you know, the lid of it popped off and you could, it, the vent went into all the different rooms. And in the room we were staying in, you could, uh, you couldn't, you couldn't see into it, but there was, uh, you could clearly see the opening of the vent that went down into the, uh, guy's bathroom. So, uh, what, I did because I thought I was hilarious was I took a chocolate cookie and tossed it into the vent so that it fell down through the vent into the shower. And then, uh, either someone saw it and didn't pick it up, which I don't blame them or, uh, no one noticed it until the morning. At which point we, we got a talking to about, uh, the proper places to leave objects of such color. (laughs) Uh, so that was, yeah. That's uh, like I mentioned, far more, far more innocent story on my part. I didn't, I didn't know where the drugs were in college because no one told me because I wasn't cool. Joe, <laughs> I wasn't talking about drugs. I said goodies. What are you talking about? You're right. You're right. I, I should have known. <laughs> <laughs> With that, we'll go to week thirteen. Then we got uh, Southern Miss and Western kicking the slate off on three uh, thirty Eastern ESPN Plus. USM favored by four. Um, as much as I love the Hilltoppers, I got to go with my gut and say Southern Miss is going to take this one. Uh, Jack Abraham, Kez Watkins, probably going to light that secondary up, unfortunately. Uh, I, I got a little more faith in Western than you do. I do have Southern Miss winning, but I think it's a 50-50 game. I just think for Western, you know, one of the things that they've been able to do all year is play solid defense with guys like Devin Key, Juwan Jones, and D'Angelo, D'Angelo Malone, excuse me. So I, I think Western has a shot, especially with Ty Story's play has really kind of taken off in the past couple of weeks. But in the end, I think Southern Miss wins. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a close game. Uh, keep it locked on that one. And then also, same time, 3.30 p.m. Eastern, we have Charlotte hosting Marshall. Uh, Marshall favored by seven in this game. Um, I feel like that's pretty fair. Uh, another game I feel like is going to be pretty close. Charlotte definitely coming along as a program. But uh, Marshall, as we saw last week, Isaiah Green and Brendan Knox, really tough to stop when, they, uh, when they're when they both on. And then you add OBO, uh, 
Obi-Obi-Alo to that mix, it's, uh, it's pretty tough. That's a great name, right? Obi-Obi-Alo. You know, you can't – sometimes if you trip over that one, you can't be mad at yourself. Um, with, with this one, I think Marshall gets the victory. However, I do not wonder, want to underestimate this fact. Charlotte has a chance to get their sixth win, which would get them to bowl eligibility for the first time in program history. And if you have a chance to do it at home, now, next week, the week after this week, they'll finish up the year at Old Dominion. And with the way things are going, you would think they'll get the sixth there, right? But I think there's something to be said about Will Healy in his first year and the energy that he's infused in that program and that fan base and the chance to do it at home. So, with that being said, I, I do think Marshall wins, but do not be shocked if Charlotte comes out and, you know, fired up by all the energy and what they have a chance to accomplish, gets the, gets the win, um, uh, an upset win at home. You can catch that one on Stadium, by the way. And also at 3.30 p.m. Eastern ESPN Plus, UAB hosting Louisiana Tech. Uh, according to Vegas, the Blazers favored by four and a half. Um to my knowledge, Jamar Smith and uh, Hardy, I believe, are still out of this game. So that uh, that definitely makes things significantly more interesting. Uh, because of that, I feel like UAB can definitely pull this off, but they're going to have to have another really good rushing day like they had last week against UTEP. Um, meanwhile, that that passing game obviously still needs to come together with, uh, with uh, Dylan Hopkins at quarterback. Yeah, uh, you know, from what we're led to believe, you know, uh, unless there's a late week development that Adrian Hardy and Jamar Smith will miss the game, now you can say that will give, you know, um, Allen and the other players a chance to practice the entire week. But with that being said, I mean, you're just talking about a huge drop-off. I'm talking about Jamar Smith, who had started 38 consecutive games, so a veteran quarterback, one of the top receiving talents in Conference USA. And I just think that, yes, they'll get James Jackson back, but that's not enough facing UAB at home at Legion Field. So I think UAB gets the victory and makes things really interesting in Conference USA West. Definitely. Uh, like we mentioned, that that Conference USA West race getting more and more exciting as the weeks tick down. Um, staying in the West, we have Rice hosting North Texas in a game with not as many implications. Um, on the NFL Network, you can catch that game. The Mean Green favored by five and a half. Uh, I, I feel like it, the margin's going to be a little uh, bigger than that, despite uh rice's you know showing of how far they've come as a program last week uh north texas still has mason fine and i figure he's uh you know he's not going to let his uh career go down with uh with a losing record yeah well you know this one it's interesting to see what happens for rice because they're coming off of you know getting their first victory they're coming home and you don't know necessarily um as far as mason Fine's status with the concussion, you don't know what it is just yet. So it'll be interesting to see if he does play. If he does not play, um, I still think North Texas gets the victory because they just have a little more talent built up than Rice. However, uh, once again, you know, you just can't rule out things. We had a glimpse of what the future could look for UNT without Mason Fine. And they have two young guys right there who, uh, in Austin Oon, who just, you don't necessarily know how they're going to react. Um, so I guess all things considered, I'm taking North Texas, but it, it really depends on what Mason Fine's status is going to be. Yep, should be. Uh, you know, if if Fine can go, then it'll be uh, it'll be a win for the Mean Green in my book. But uh, we'll figure that out as the week goes on. And then, meanwhile, we have UTEP and New Mexico State in Las Cruces, rivalry game for these two programs. New Mexico State favored by seven points. 
Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with the miners for the upset. Actually, I've been really happy with the progress they've made. I feel like they should uh, throw Kyle Loxley back in at quarterback if that's an option. Um, just given the uh, the progress that I've seen him make personally uh, as a player this season. But um, yeah, if not, then could be interesting. But uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with the miners, and uh, that's I think that's the first time I've uh, I've picked them this year. I, I believe so, I, unless my memory serves me, you know, incorrectly there. But I'm going to go with UTEP as well. I just think that, you know, the offense has looked better in the past few weeks. And you're talking about a New Mexico State team that also, you know, they're one and nine. You know, they they look at losses against Ole Miss, you know, by 38 points, losses to Liberty, losses to Fresno State, losses to San Diego State. So it, they're really struggling. I mean, they got their only win against Incarnate Word. And uh, I, I just think, you know, for a, a Conference USA comparison, they're not, they don't have a significant, you know, a talent gap over uh, a UTEP. So despite the fact that the game will be on the road, I think UTEP can go in there and get the victory. And catch that one on Flow Football, 4 p.m. Eastern. And uh, then at 4.30 p.m. Eastern, we have ESPN3 showing Middle Tennessee State against Old Dominion. Blue Raiders favored by 15 and a half, according to Vegas. Uh, gotta go with MTSU. Uh, figured they gotta have a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of charge in their step after the uh, disappointing result last weekend. Um, Asher O'Hara still playing out of his mind. Old Dominion um, really, you know, unable to figure things out offensively over the course of this season. Still a pretty strong defense, but um, yeah you got to go with Rick Stockstill's team and got to imagine they'll avenge last week's loss. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, there's two things I want to see is that the, both quarterbacks, Hayden Wolf, you have a true freshman who's, you know, it's his show. You know, Bobby Wallace made no secret of that, that it's going to be his show. And Middle Tennessee State's pass defense hasn't necessarily been great. So we'll see if Hayden can get a chance to, you know, maybe put together his first, you know, 250 or 300-yard passing game. And then as for the other side with Middle Tennessee State, it's the 1,000-yard watch with Asher O'Hara. Quick math again here. He has 822 yards, so I believe that would make him 178 yards away, if my math is correct, from 1,000 on the year. Let's see how many he can pick up against Old Dominion. Uh, really quick, I know we're just going to do a, a very quick sidebar here. Joe, if Middle Tennessee State's record was better, let's say 5-5, five and five, Asher mm-hmm. O'Hara would have to be a, a Conference USA Offensive Player of the Year candidate, right? He would have to be close. I mean, he's doing everything for his team so far. He's running, he's throwing, he's, I mean, he's legitimately like the selling point for this program at at this point. And anytime you have a guy doing that in a year where, you know, frankly, people kind of expected MTSU to be at this record at this point in the year, I would absolutely say he would be a candidate uh, for CUSA Offensive Player of the Year had the team reached that record. Yeah, I'm just just looking at his numbers here. You know, he's got 2,130 passing yards, 15 touchdowns, seven picks, and then the 822 rushing yards. So there's a chance, an outside chance, he could end up with 1,000 rushing yards and 2,500 passing. So that's a really good year by any college quarterback standards. Uh, mm-hmm. That aside, uh, if I didn't, you know, I've I'm, I'm been rambling, so I don't remember if I made my selection, but uh, I do think that uh, Middle Tennessee State bounces back and gets a victory, you know, going against a true freshman quarterback in Hayden Wolf. Uh, ODU just has uh, – it's an uphill climb, and there's not really enough talent there to compete with uh, Middle Tennessee State on, on offense. So, MTSU gets the victory. 
I think we're in agreement on that one. Then at uh, 6 p.m. Eastern, as we move into the late afternoon on ESPN Plus, UTSA will host FAU with the Owls favored by 20 points. I feel like that's a pretty fair margin as well in this game. Lane Kiffin's uh, squad playing really strong with Chris Robison. Uh, a really strong candidate for Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, 2,637 yards and 18 touchdowns through the air. Uh, that's that's really something for the type of offense that they run. Um, so I feel like FAU are a pretty uh, safe and self-explanatory bet at this point. You took the words right out of my mouth, Joe, because I was going to make the transition from a hypothetical offensive player of the year candidate to one who actually has a legit candidacy in Chris Robinson, you know, talking about where he came from the offseason and really turned himself around to have a great year. Uh, 18 touchdowns to only four interceptions. That's been huge that he has not turned the football over this year. Uh, no reason to think that that'll, you know, begin to happen at UTSA. I think FAU rolls easily. And uh, heading to the state of Florida from San Antonio, we have another uh, interconference rivalry, so to speak. FIU hosting Miami on uh, CBS Sports Network, 7 p.m. Eastern. The Hurricanes favored by 19. Um, You know, I think at the start of the year, I would have given FIU a little bit more of a fighting chance. But I think... You know, their offensive momentum has definitely stalled and not been where anybody I think would would like it to be, especially given the chance for uh, an upset over a P5 team. But I think Miami just have their, you know, their situation a little bit more figured out. And I think they will walk out of uh, FIU Stadium with a win. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's the quote-unquote home game for FIU, but it's the return to Marlins Park. Or I shouldn't say return to Marlins Park. It's the return to the site of the Orange Bowl is actually what it is, but it will be mm-hmm. on the grounds of Marlins Park where the uh, Florida Marlins, or excuse me, the Miami Marlins, always be the Florida Marlins to me, where they play baseball. Um, uh, yeah, you know, it, it is what it is as far as FIU season this year. You know, I'll be there to cover that game. The fact of the matter is this, you know, they're really banged up. James Morgan is banged up. Anthony Jones missed last week with his kick in the calf. He's expected to play, but we'll see, you know, how close to 100% he is. Across the offensive line, there's injuries as well. Maurice Alexander's hurt. So there's no reason to think that with Jaron Williams coming in, to, you know, throwing six touchdowns against NC State two weeks ago, um, and then, you know, guys like Shaq Quarterman and Gregory Rousseau on Miami's defense is one of the best in the nation. There's no reason to think that uh, FIU will be able to get the upset. I think that Miami will get the victory. But just in a, in a, a quick, you know, fun fact here, the last time that Butch Davis won a game or the last game that he coached at that site, um, it was the year 2000. The number one song was Destiny's Child, Independent Women, off the um, the uh, soundtrack. Oh, now I forget the name of the movie. The uh, Oh, with Mike Myers. Why am I having a brain fart right here? Awesome um, Powers. Anyhow, they, thank you. Thank you. The Awesome Powers soundtrack. Uh, and what was going on at the time in the state of Florida? It was a recount because we were having trouble uh, electing a president between George W. Bush and Al Gore. So I just goes to show you how long it's been since old Coach Davis has coached a game on that ground. So I think that'll be a bit of nostalgia for him, but Miami will get to victory. <laughs> Certainly been a uh, crazy 19 years for the state of Florida in that regard, but looking forward to that contest as well. Um, with that, we will start wrapping up the show by saying thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, please subscribe on uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever it's called now, uh, Spotify, Google Play. We're on those platforms as well. 
And you can follow us on Twitter at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore Eric C. Henry underscore. And of course, at Underdog Dynasty. And uh, like them on Facebook as well. And check out UnderdogDynasty.com every single day for more G5 football content. We would love to have you. Uh, Happy football watching, everybody. Talk to you next week. We'll be right back.